The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. about to inspire you with the stories of real people. Welcome to A Current Life with your host, Jimmy Gould. In the next hour, you will meet one of the most interesting and successful people in the world. Listen as Jimmy gets their real story of success, both the highs and the lows. We hope that you take with you some of the ideas we will share today and embrace your own journey. Now, here's Jimmy. Welcome to another edition of A Current Life. I'm your host, Jimmy Gould. And I'm very excited to introduce to you my special guest and dear friend this week, Coleman Peterson. Welcome to A Current Life, Coleman. Hey, it's great to be with you, Jimmy. Thank you. Uh, Coleman Peterson has become known as America's top people person. He served as Executive Vice President of People for Walmart Stores, Inc., where he had the distinction of being the Chief Human Resource Officer of the world's largest private workforce, 1.5 million associates worldwide. He is currently the President and CEO of Hollis Enterprises, LLC, and just wrote a wonderful book that I would recommend to anyone and everyone, How to Get There from Here, The Ten Lessons That Have Served Me Well. Coleman, I've enjoyed the book immensely. I've enjoyed our friendship over the last decade, and it's a real honor to have you on my show. Well, Jimmy, uh, first of all, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, read the book, and I hope you didn't fall asleep. <laughs> uh, well, I, I did not fall asleep. I, I've, uh, even during our board meetings on, on Build-A-Bear, I stay awake because you and I have such a great uh, relationship and a great pull and, pull and take with each other, and I've enjoyed our friendship. And your book was inspiring, and I identified with so many parts of it. We're going to talk a lot about it as we go through the show. Uh, the show is A Current Life. It's about the journey of life, and your book is very much about your journey and I enjoyed it immensely, and uh, uh, so I'm anxious to really get started and learn about your early years. Uh, you were born in Birmingham, Alabama, but you were raised really in the inner city in Chicago, Illinois. What was it like growing up in, in Chicago in the inner city? Yeah, well, well, you know, it's really interesting, Jimmy, because, I, you know, when people ask me about my early years, I kind of define it as saying that I'm Alabama-born uh, and Chicago-bred, and uh, I'm always sure to bring out the Alabama portion of it because – even though I left uh, Birmingham uh, and Dothan, Alabama at the age of three, uh, being raised in Chicago, my parents were always sure to uh, send me back to uh, the South during the summers to get me off the uh, the rough and tough streets of Chicago uh, to be sure that I was going to be uh, raised, quote-unquote, the right way by my grandparents down there. So, Well, you know, the, the, this show is really about the journey, and actually in the forward that was written by our dear friend Maxine Clark, who you've known for so long, you know, she writes, life is definitely a journey and not just a destination. 
And, and really, that's what I took away from this book. So growing up in the inner city, I read a little part here I, uh, that, you know, you talked about kind of sitting on, a, on, a, on a, a step one day and watching the people walk by. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that because you kind of made up your mind at a very young age how you wanted to feel about it, how you felt about yourself and how you had a vision of yourself as you looked out into the future. Yeah, well, well, you know, I tell you, that's a great point. Well, you know, I grew up in the housing projects on the west side of Chicago, okay? And, uh, you know, I, I remember, I can remember those experiences very well. You know, my mom and dad, my, my dad had a sixth grade education when he came to Chicago. I think my mom had maybe one year of college when she came from Alabama up, up north. And so they weren't particularly educated, and they would probably fall into what you call the kind of the blue-collar working class. But the one clear value, among others that we took away, was the work ethic. And as you can see in that book, I talk about the importance of being having the ability to really work hard. Uh, but they were not uh, a particularly sophisticated uh, folks. And we were not in a, uh, a very uh, upscale neighborhood. As a matter of fact, uh, today we call it the inner city. Back in those days, I guess we would call it the ghetto. But what was interesting about it, I was always a very observant young man, and so very early on, it was very clear to me about the issue of those who had and those who had not. And so years later, which we'll eventually end up talking about, uh, when I was in college, I was sitting on the steps of the, of the water tower in downtown Chicago in Michigan Avenue. And of course, that's a very upscale area, and I would just always admire the beautiful cars and the people who were beautifully tailored and so on. And I was sitting there one day, and I was saying, man, I'm from the west side of Chicago living in the housing projects, and here are all the beautiful people with all of the beautiful things. You know, exactly, uh, you know, how do you, uh, how do you get there? from here. And that's exactly how the, uh, the title of my book, uh, that's how the title of my book began. Uh, but, but my experiences growing up on the west side of Chicago, I think, were really kind of the, the basis for my view of life, uh, my approach to people, uh, and uh, how I shaped my philosophy as time went on. Well, were there any, you know, in particular likes, strong likes and dislikes as, as a young man, young boy growing up that you kind of can pull back from, you know, that, that really kind of help shape your personality. And, uh, I mean, you're an incredible, you know, I sit and listen to you, and you're an incredible, you're very inspiring. You travel all over the world talking to people. You've gained so much knowledge because, I mean, I don't know many people. In fact, I always love talking about you because I say you were the head of people for Walmart, and people look at me like, oh, wow, what a title. And, I mean, at 1.5 million associates, I mean, I guess reported to you in some manner, shape, or form, or the people who reported you to you. So you had to learn, really, the, the relationships of how to deal with people and how to learn how to listen to them. And so many great attributes you bring to the table every day. I'd love to understand, as a little boy, what were some of those things that, that really shaped you? Well, you know, I think it started, as I said, I was always a very observant one, but, you know, here's a really interesting one, you know, and I, like I said, I, I grew up in, a, in an area that, you know, wasn't necessarily the best. Fortunately, I had a great mom and dad, and uh, things were always safe inside the house. As a matter of fact, my father was a correctional officer. And so uh, I had an older brother, and uh, I had three younger sisters, but one of the things my dad was always very clear about is uh, he never expected to come to work on a Monday morning and find us on the other side of those jail bars. Um, uh, because if he did, he was very clear that I was a lot better being on the uh, that side of the jail bars than ever having to come home again. 
Okay, so I was I was destined to 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 uh, to, to live the, the the straight and narrow, but in the neighborhood, you know, I would always look at the people who drove the beautiful cars, and there was a marked contrast, uh, Jimmy, because the people who who drove the cars were either uh, drug dealers uh, or the minister of the local church, and I never really seemed to see that path that was really anywhere in between. Uh, and so uh, that was one thing that, that, that actually impacted me uh, a little later on when my mom used to take me downtown. Okay, Every Christmas, she'd take me downtown uh, on State Street, and I'd love to go down and watch the lights and everything. And she would take my brother and I. And uh, as we would walk down the street, I would always see these very impressive men in their long overcoats and hats. And it's kind of like the Mad Men uh, dress of today, uh, right. where, uh, carrying this briefcase and, and looking very impressive. And I can remember telling my mom, I can remember telling my mom once as we were walking down the street, I said, Mommy, I said, that's what I'm going to do when I grow up. And I wasn't 100% clear on exactly what that person did, but they looked very important. Uh, and uh, it looks like they were coming from some place and going some, some other place. And that's what I want it to be like. Well, uh, well you know, in my book, I kind of touch on the, on the fact that a number of years later, uh, a number of years later, Jimmy, and interestingly enough, I was actually uh, walking through an airport. And uh, I... Uh, Saw a, uh, I was somewhat preoccupied, but then I noticed that there was this young man with his mom coming toward me in the airport. And as I was walking toward him, I realized that he was pointing to me. And I heard him say to his mom, see, Mommy, that's what I'm going to do when I grow up. Wow. And I realized that he was actually talking to me, and I looked at my reflection in the mirror as I was walking by, you know, somewhere in the airport. And there was this guy in this long overcoat and this hat and carrying this briefcase looking very important. Uh, because he obviously was coming from someplace and going someplace else. Well, and I, I, and I realized I, that that person was me. Well, I will tell our listeners that you are impeccably dressed. You, uh, you, you, are, are, you take care of yourself wonderfully and beautifully, and you look uh, wonderful all the time. I always admire whatever it is you're wearing, your jackets and your sweaters and your ties and everything. So it's clear to me that the impression that you formed in your own mind of how you want it to look and be really works for you. And, and, and it kind of leads me to how do you go from the inner city and the projects to attending Loyola University? You must have had, you know, a, a change where you worked hard in school and some of the people that were your strongest influencers, you know, I'd love to hear more about that with you. Yeah, that's very legitimate. You know, uh, when I started uh, when I started uh, uh, to school, and, and of course my grammar school was literally right across the street from where I lived in the housing projects, uh, and it was right about that time that uh, that Chicago had had begun uh, what they call in today's terms kind of the magnet school. So you didn't go to your local. Uh, high school for for uh, for an education. You, if you were fortunate enough to have a certain grade level in performance, you were uh, allowed to go to to. I'm just going to use the term one of, one of the, uh, the 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 magnet schools or one of the best schools in in the in the uh, in the city. Uh, in my particular case, my brother and I were fortunate enough to literally go to at that time what was clearly one of the best schools in Chicago, which was Lane Tech High School on the north side of Chicago. And it wasn't close to home at all. It was a good distance uh, because we lived in the city, in the middle of the city, and it was literally all the way on the north side. But, but this is where some real learning uh, began around two things. <clears throat> One, Jimmy, was 
the issue of haves and have-nots, and the other was the whole issue of race. Okay, uh, and let me talk about the issue of race first, because I think that that my whole approach uh, to diversity and race and ethnicity was shaped during my high school period. Uh, growing up on the west side of Chicago, life was real simple to me. Okay, everybody that lived in my neighborhood was black. The grocer was black. Everybody was was black. If I went to my local high school, everybody was going to be black. And then all of a sudden, I went to this. Uh, this high school where there was something like nine African-American boys in a school of 5,500. It was an all-boys school. And up until that point, uh, in my mind, life was real simple. You were either black or you were white. And all of a sudden, I started going to, to this, this high school where uh, my fellow students kept making these distinctions. And they made these distinctions between the fact that they were Italian or they were Polish or they were German or they were a Catholic or a Protestant or a Jew. And I was like, you know, well, you're all white. I don't get what this difference is. And it was during the, it was during the course of that four years that I, uh, I came to a couple of conclusions. The first is, is that the whole world makes distinctions, okay? Uh, and a lot of us become defensive uh, or upset about the fact that they are distinguished from the next person. Okay, but the truth of the matter is that's the way God made us, that we all are different. And so I developed an attitude very early on that I was never uh, really uh, defensive about being black in America and the fact that other people were curious about it and wanted to understand more about it because I was equally curious. I was equally curious about the, you know, the guy who had the Italian background or the guy who had the Polish background. And, uh, one of my best friends was Italian and he would take me home and his mom would say, eat, eat, you're much too thin. And I, you know, you know, and it was just a, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I had a good friend who was Jewish and I never did know, you know, why his mom kept telling me that I was a boobala and, you know, I tell you what, it was it was a great experience as I came away out of high school. Did, did she squeeze and, your cheek when she called you Bubala? Actually, she really did. <laughs> I okay. bet that's out a few times. <laughs> <laughs> and you could get it. You could just kind of see that, can't you, Jimmy? Yeah, it's like and, yeah. and, and but but I, I got to tell you, it was so it was such an enriching enriching experience that uh, uh, I believe it, it it provided the springboard for my entire attitude and approach toward people. Uh, and uh, how I began to uh, develop my people skills by being so genuinely open to other people. Well, I, you know, I at some point you obviously you attended Loyola University and graduated with a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. Did you know what you wanted to do at that point in your life? Well, that's, that is a that's a great story, and and I tell you what, there's a there's a great teaching point I'd, I'd love to share with with the audience as a part of that. When I finished undergraduate school, okay, I, my undergraduate degree was obviously in English, English literature, and of course, uh, you know, I wanted to be at least uh, you know uh, one of the great African American uh, novelists. Uh, in America. Uh, at the time that I came out of undergraduate school, the economy was really pretty challenging. And the idea of, uh, of living in an attic and existing on, on wine and cheese wasn't quite as attractive. <laughs> and I said, hey, I think I better go get a real job. And uh, I, had, I had had retailing experience uh, all during high school. I'd worked uh, part-time in discount stores and department stores downtown and so on. And so fortunately, my resume got me a chance to uh, get into a management training program in retailing. Now, this is where some of my learnings really started, okay? And this is my first one. I show up my first day of my management training job uh, in a store location in Chicago, 
And three of the young trainees come up to me and they say, young man, you really, really made a, a really bad choice. We've been here uh, for about six or seven months and this place is a disaster and, uh, and we're all quitting on Friday, so do you want to join us? Well, considering that I only had a half a tank of gas with my car in the parking lot, hoping that it would start when the day was over, I decided not to join them by quitting, okay? I was absolutely broke. Uh, and uh, uh, the, the, the moral of that story was, uh, at the end of a year, I had been promoted three times. Wow. And, and so my takeaway from that, Jimmy, was, you know, as you make your life's decisions, uh, don't make the judgment about what your situation is going to be based on what the next individual's experience may be. Uh, because they could have a whole different set of circumstances than either you you are in or that you create for yourself. Well, we're, uh, we want to talk uh, when we come back uh, 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 kind of what happened after college and through your retailing career and, and your first interview with Walmart. Uh, uh, we're going to take a short break. Uh, we're speaking with my special guest and dear friend, Coleman Peterson, the former head of people of Walmart stores. Uh, this show is brought to you by Smartwater, Ohio Midwestern College and AdSpace Mall Networks. Uh, this is Jimmy Gould, your host. Uh, please stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. At Wild Things, we've been making alpine clothing and packs right here in the USA since 1981. In fact, we began by stitching together extremely light climbing gear that guys on the mountain were trying to make on their own. It was a big deal in 1981, making Wild Things the gear of choice for some of the world's most demanding alpine climbers. Of course, the climbs and the climbers are now the stuff of legend. Inspiration for the next group to realize the freedom of moving over rock and ice in a fast and light way. The rest, three decades of elation, misery, epics, and near misses, we put back into everything we make. Light, durable, functional, packable. Wild Things gear is made and tested by those who live in it. Available exclusively at wildthingsgear.com. Stay wild. We all want to be happy, but consider that conventional thinking is what got us where we are now. The good news is there's so much more to know that can give us a new and higher perspective. Tune in to A New View of Life with host Kathy Kirk as we unlock the conversational gridlock in America by exploring new ideas and new information on every aspect of life which is needed to move us not just forward, 
but upward. A new view of life airs live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to A Current Life with Jimmy Gould. If you have a question or comment for Jimmy or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd like to send an email, the address is acurrentlife at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to A Current Life. This is your host, Jimmy Gould, and today I have a very special guest here with me, Coleman Peterson, the former head of people of Walmart Stores, Inc. Uh, before the break, we really were talking about kind of what, what helped shape your future and getting your jobs uh, uh, after you graduated from Loyola University. Do you remember your first interview with Walmart, and were you nervous? Uh, well, I, I tell you, that was a number of years uh, later, and uh, how I got to Walmart was really kind of an interesting uh, interesting situation, Jimmy, because at that time, of course, I had started my my uh, uh, my retail career in Chicago, and I eventually had, had gotten into, uh, into human resources. And let me make a point about that before I even talk about Walmart, if I can. I was actually working in the store and had been there for about two years uh, when this gentleman came into the store uh, one day uh, and said, hey, listen, I want to put you on this temporary assignment. And, uh, and I was obviously open to any kind of opportunities. And to make a long story short, the temporary assignment was to travel with him to the various colleges uh, to help uh, recruit other college recruits. Well, I learned, obviously, subsequent to that, that he was actually the head of personnel. That's what it was called at the time. He was the vice president of personnel for, the, for one of the retail divisions of Osco Drug and Retail uh, Jewel Food Stores in Chicago. Sure. And that, that, that temporary job uh, as a college recruiter became a full-time job as a college recruiter, and then I became a director of college recruiting and then a, a director of executive recruitment. And that's how my whole human resource career started. Okay, uh, the 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 message there for people is uh, you never know who's watching. You never know who's watching, uh, and so so for so many of us who want to be upwardly mobile or we really want to accomplish, you know, it's really stay focused, do the best you can at what it is that you're doing, and you will really be amazed at who's watching. So later then, uh, as, I, as I got through my, my, uh, my human resource career, which I eventually left Chicago and then uh, relocated to St. Louis with another company and got promoted. Uh, and then one day I got a call from, from Walmart uh, that says that they were looking for uh, a head of their human resource group. And, of course, uh, my wife and I, Peaches, who you know, uh, we were all very happy uh, you know, in St. Louis. And then this gentleman, and his name is Don Sodaquist, who is the former vice chairman of uh, of Walmart, really kind of kind of uh, uh, swept me off my feet a little bit because he called me and he says, "Well, uh, young man, if you won't come and see me, how about if I come to see you?" Wow! And here I was, this guy. You know, I mean, I was doing reasonably well in in uh, in St. Louis, but gosh, you know, I certainly wasn't uh, you know running the head of of the people division for Walmart. And here was this gentleman uh, who was so low ego that he said, all right, if you won't come to see me, I'll come and visit with you. And so he flew up to St. Louis, and he brought two young, uh, what I call rookie human resource people with him. 
And Don Soderquist, I sat down with him and these 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 two younger recruits, and uh, he chatted with me for maybe about fifteen minutes, and then he allowed the other two to carry the interview for the balance of probably an hour. Somewhere in that process, it finally dawned on on me that he was actually giving uh, the young personnel people a chance to select their own boss. And I said, wow, that is a very interesting culture. That is a very interesting culture. And, of course, we had all read about Walmart. We'd heard about Walmart's culture and about Sam Walton. But that was the experience that spun up my receptivity to the point where I wanted to learn more. And I was willing to travel to Bentonville to learn more about the Walmart culture. That has to be one of the most unique things that any company would ever do. I mean, to have people pick their own boss. I mean, uh, clearly Sam Walton was the founder of Walmart, passed away in 1992, and you started working, what, for Walmart in 1994, correct? Yes. i around that. So, you know, I mean, you worked for one of the great companies on the planet, and, and that type of mindset, the way they hired you and the way they came after you, uh, what are some of, of the takeaways from the many years you spent there. I mean, you've received so many awards and recognition for your professional excellence and lifetime achievement, volunteerism. You travel all over the globe speaking to people because you've had so much input with people, and you really do understand and see things, I'm sure, way before a lot of people see them. I know in working with you, I can read your face and and, and sometimes what you're thinking, and I find it very curious because sometimes it takes people a long time to get to the get to the point, but, you know, where, where that, they can feel that. But what was it, probably the one or two most important things that, that you took away from Walmart? You obviously brought to them great passion and great understanding and new ideas and changed the culture of the company. What was it that you took away from this great company? Yeah, that's, that's, that is a great question, Jimmy. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I think I would say, uh, as a starting point, by the way, that, that, that my Walmart career had to be one of the best experiences of my life, and it's a, it, it has shaped me and made me a better person as a result of it. But uh, if, if, I would, if, if I would get down to two points, I think the, the first one, I know it sounds so cliched, uh, but it's, it's the fact that people make the difference. You know, it's really interesting in our sophisticated organizations, you know, whether it's a technology company, a retail company, uh, 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 a, uh, a toy specialty business or, or uh, uh, a restaurant business or whatever, uh, no matter how sophisticated we think the ins and outs of the business are, ultimately the success is determined by the people who you depend upon to run the business. Uh, and I have just seen so many successes and or failures around the function of who we pick as the leaders of people. And so it, it, the, the importance of people in uh, not only in businesses, but in our personal lives are so absolutely incredible that it's, uh, you know, I could spend the, the, uh, the next time here just talking solely about that. The second one is just what we call the culture of companies. It is so true that our different businesses and different organizations genuinely have their own culture. Uh, And uh, a person's success within a company has an awful lot to do about whether or not they fit that culture. Uh, And I'd I'd like to share this story with you. Uh, about the time that I first got to Walmart, which was 1994, we were just really beginning our significant global expansion. Uh, 
Uh, and one of our uh, major expansions in first one was actually up into uh, Canada, where we had bought a major chain. And then we were expanding around the, the world and, of course, going into Asia and South America and so on. Uh, and we had a lot of questions from, uh, you know, from analysts here in the United States about, well, the Walmart culture is so unique because Sam Walton was so unique and so on. Do we really believe that we can export that culture to other countries? And my answer was always this. I said, let me ask you a few questions. Uh, who doesn't want to succeed? Uh, who doesn't want to work for a company that's successful? Uh, who doesn't want to work for uh, a boss that respects them and treats them well? And as after I was done, I think, kind of answering, asking these series of questions, I think people began to realize that there are certain things that are, are universally true. It's not a function of whether you're an American uh, or an Asian or a South American or, uh, or a Puerto Rican or Australian or whatever. Uh, we all want to succeed. Okay. We all want to have great families. We want to be able to provide for our families. We want to get up in the morning and feel good about ourselves. And so there are things that I call universal truths. And if those universal truths can be present in the workplace, then the culture, and in this particular case in Walmart, not only can be successful in the United States, but it can be successful the world over, and it's, it's proven to be so. Well, you, um, obviously the company is... Uh an unbelievable company and a fixture. Uh, uh, when people talk about great companies, certainly Walmart is at the top of the list. And, you know, you sat down in something that you've always wanted to do this past January and wrote uh, your first book that was published uh, January 2012. And I might add is available at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And uh, it's called How to Get There from Here to 10 Lessons That Have Served Me Well. Um, I want to list those 10 lessons, and then I want to know what really motivated you to write this book and share your life lessons. And for those listeners, I'll list these 10 lessons, but I, will, I implore everybody to go out and get this book right away because it isn't just for people in business. It's for people in life, and it's like the 12-step program. You really learn how to deal with people much differently because you learn so much about yourself from reading this book. It helped me immensely. I, I, I literally have read it three times and have enjoyed it because you've simplified in such a beautiful way just lessons that apply in everyday life, uh, and I commend you for that. You, you list the ten lessons as, number one, have a goal. Number two, no shortcuts. Number three, work hard. Number four, education is an opportunity and a privilege. Number five, listen. Understand the power of feedback. Number six, develop your people skills. Number seven, have humility. Number eight, get a life. Number nine, help somebody. And number ten, be great, be thankful. Uh, they're phenomenal lessons that should be applied by everybody every day. I, I, I'm particularly working on number seven, according to my wife, <laughs> having humility, have humility. <laughs> and, and always learning to be grateful because without gratitude, you could forget it and always yeah. trying to give more to people than what I get from them. So I would like you to elaborate, but I'd first like you to tell our listeners, this goes into over 180 countries and a lot of people that, that either archive it or listen live, want I would like to know what motivated you to write this book, particularly and share these life lessons. Yeah, th uh, thank, 
Thank you, uh, Jimmy. Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, my undergraduate degree is in, in English literature. And so and I always said at one point that I was going to write something. So uh, when I retired from Walmart and started my, uh, my human resource consulting uh, company and began to sit on these various corporate boards, uh, my family began to, to say, well, 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 well Dad, uh, exactly when are you going to, to write this book? And, uh, and I was kind of uh, reflecting on it saying, I don't really have anything to share with, with people. Why would people want to really, you know, write my book or something? And of course, you know, I'm on the speaking circuit, and I, you know, I've spoken around the, you know, the United States, and you know, and uh, in Dubai and in London and so on, and having a great time. And uh, and so then, of course, I return home, and my and my my family would say, now exactly what is it that you talked about? Okay, and then I'd take a trip and maybe give a, a graduation speech at, at the MBA school at Washington University or something, and I'd come back home, and I'd say, now exactly what is it that you talked about? And I began to get the point because there are these things that I always seem to, to, to share. I wanted to share uh, with people, whether it was a management group, whether it was students, or whether it was with the mentoring group or some of my consultants or whatever. And I began to realize, Jimmy, that I was constantly hitting on these 10 key points. And they began to, to kind of formulate in, in my mind. So that I, I started working a manuscript, start working on a manuscript. And what is true of probably a lot of people is you're so critical of yourself that you keep working this thing and working this thing. So I, I, I kind of worked this manuscript, and then I, I would put it in a drawer. And then something interesting happened last fall. Uh, I was uh, giving a, uh, some presentations uh, for uh, Price Waterhouse in Florida back in the fall. Uh, and my son-in-law works for uh, Price Waterhouse there. And uh, uh, as I was, as I had completed my presentations, I had uh, I was taking questions and answers. Uh, and then one of the principals there said, "Well, Coleman, I have the last question for you." And I said, "Sure, go right ahead." He says, "I hear there's a rumor that you've been working on this book. Exactly when do you plan to complete it?" And I realized at that point that I had been set up, obviously, through the family. And, uh, uh, and, I, and I looked out at this, at this audience of about 200 people, and I heard myself saying, oh, it'll be done by the end of the year. Okay, well, that was October. Uh, I've always told my family, never make a commitment you can't keep. And so now I had to make something happen. Uh, and so I was, I, was, I was actually committed last fall to really sit down and complete it. And I got to tell you, it was so uh, fulfilling and so uh, worthwhile, uh, Jimmy, that uh, I'm just excited to, to really have gotten it to closure. And uh, uh, you've been so, so very kind to, to take the time to read it and to share your thoughts with others. And I've just gotten really great feedback from people uh, on, uh, on just kind of the, uh, the 10 lessons that have served me well. Well, uh, first of all, I will tell our listeners that I know your beautiful, li- beautiful, beautiful wife, Peaches, uh, whose real name is Shirley, but uh, her close friends call her Peaches, and she's such a, a beautiful, wonderful woman, and you're so lucky, and I can see her holding you to the fire on this book, and, <laughs> and your kids as well, because you've taught them well, and I have to tell you, I mean, just your examples of how you start a goal and how important it is, you know, when you start a goal, you then got to do more than just say you're going to do something. You got to lay it out. You know, uh, you know, I want to lose 25 pounds. You say start an exercise program of working out at least three days a week. Cut down on your carbohydrate intake. Drink more water and eat more fruits and vegetables. I mean, you know, you explain it in really great terms, and you refer to. To, to some great people when you're doing it. You know, setting goal, Anthony Robbins, setting goals is the first step in turning the invisible into the visible. Yeah. Um, 
you really bring it home to people, and it's a it's a unique book. I haven't read anything like this. I really do hope that people will go out and get it and uh, and apply it to their own lives because uh, you know a lot of times I think we short change ourselves because we don't understand the steps and really what we learn every day. I mean, it's like our friendship. I've learned so much from you, and I've learned that even where we differ and and how we differ and how we look at things, we both can take things away from each other if we could listen. And you yeah, no, taught I, me I, how to do that. Well, I think that's true, although I think you're you're being modest. I think, uh, you know, if I look at the, the 10 lessons that, I, that I've served well, I think that uh, you score very well on uh, what I call lessons five and six. Uh, and that's called listening, understanding the power of feedback, and developing uh, people skills. You know, we've Thank had you. Some great. We, you know, we've had some great times in board meetings where we really have not seen things uh, the same way in terms of the business approaches and things like that. And of course, you're appropriately passionate. But Willie, what's what's really great about it, and what I enjoy so much, is that. Uh, I mean, you put your point of view out there, uh, but then you give the other person a point of view, uh, an opportunity to kind of express their point of view. Okay, and you're always very, very, very respectful of where the other person is coming from. Now, I think you probably take that for granted because it's kind of a natural part of how you're you're, you're built. But uh, you score very high on those are very important human relations skills. I think that 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 help people in their careers, uh, and sometimes people underestimate the importance of that. And that's why I like to I spend a little time in those chapters talking about it. Where do you put passion here about having a passion? Is that part of the goal, or is that just part of the application of all of these lessons? Well, well you know, I think it's a part of the, the applications of all those lessons. But you know what? I think it falls very nicely under Chapter 8, Get a Life. Mm. Okay, and, and uh, you know what? I, I use that one uh, because that's what my uh, uh, my daughter, Rana, used to, to talk about, particularly when she was younger. Uh, you know, whenever I'd have a conversation with her about whatever it was, her 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 standard answer was, get a life, Dad, get a life, Dad. But, you know, later on in life, as I began to, to kind of reflect on that, I really began to, to, to really appreciate the fact that, you know what, uh, we all need to get a life. Okay, uh, and that uh, that it's 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 really important when we get up in the morning, okay, and we get ready to do whatever it is that we're doing. You ask yourself a really an interesting question, and that is, uh, am 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 I glad uh, to be doing what I'm getting ready to do today? Okay, I mean, how do I feel like getting out of the shower and heading out of the door in the morning? Okay, uh, you know, do I speak to the mailman? Okay, do I uh, do I do I smile at the flight attendant when I'm on? All of that, I think, has an awful lot to do about how we build our personal karma. Okay, and how our own personal karma uh, extends to other people as well. Well, you you uh, we're going to get time for another break, but you do in in the chapter or lesson number eight on page seventy five of your book. You say under get a life, and you quote Abraham Lincoln. You say, and in 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 the end, it's not the years in your life that count; it's the life in your years. And I I'm I work on that all the time because I think I sometimes sit at my desk and go through steps, but I sometimes. Because I'm going through those steps, you know, I fight hard. My my partner, my my good friend who I grew up with, and we have our business with Fred, who you know, yeah. says as you get older, you have to learn you to keep your edge, and 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 live on the edge. But you know, you obviously, as you get older in life, you have to be smarter about how you do it. And I think that sometimes 
I know I take life for granted sometimes, and, and there, sometimes there's wake-up calls. Uh, and I think that you're correct. I think that passion is what does drive most of my, you know, most of my own uh, feedback in life because yeah. uh, uh, you've seen that in, in, in boardrooms with me, and, and you've taught me how, how, quite frankly, how to listen better because uh, it's a key quality. I, I, I've enjoyed this immensely. I want to keep talking about the book. I want to talk about some of the other things you're doing in your life. Uh, this is Jimmy Gould, your host, with my special guest, Coleman Peterson. This show, Current Life, is brought to you by Smartwater and Ohio Midwestern College and at Baseball Network. Please stay tuned. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you a homeowner who's trying to save on energy bills and go green at the same time? Tune into Energy Saving in the Home, brought to you by 521 Compressor Saver and Home Energy Consultants with host Gary Parr and Dennis Seltzer. They have saved homeowners just like you as much as 65% on energy bills through energy efficiency practices. You'll learn about conservation, products, and services to reduce energy consumption and save you money. Be sure to listen to Energy Saving in the Home, live every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. At Wild Things, we've been making alpine clothing and packs right here in the USA since 1981. In fact, we began by stitching together extremely light climbing gear that guys on the mountain were trying to make on their own. It was a big deal in 1981, making Wild Things the gear of choice for some of the world's most demanding alpine climbers. Of course, the climbs and the climbers are now the stuff of legend. Inspiration for the next group to realize the freedom of moving over rock and ice in a fast and light way. The rest, three decades of elation, misery, epics, and near misses, we put back into everything we make. Light, durable, functional, packable. Wild Things Gear is made and tested by those who live in it. Available exclusively at wildthingsgear.com. Stay wild. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to A Current Life with Jimmy Gould. 
If you have a question or comment for Jimmy or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd like to send an email, the address is a current life at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Uh, this is your host, Jimmy Gould, on A Current Life. I'm here with my special guest, Coleman Peterson. Uh, Coleman, we were talking about the ten lessons in your book, and I wanted to know, was uh, you spoke a lot about the, the fifth and sixth, and particularly about the eighth that your uh, daughter talked to you about, about Get a Life. Uh, one of the things that I really love about your book is that it's a, it's a beneficial read for anyone, any age, any race, any sex, of any economical level. Uh, it's very thoughtfully written. Was this, was that something you intended to do, or are you speaking to a certain type of reader? Uh, and is there anything else that you wish you would have included as an eleventh lesson? Wow, you know, man, what a great, what a great question. You know, you know, um, first of all, here, here's an interesting piece of feedback. And Maxine Clark, okay, the founder uh, and uh, CEO of. Uh, the Build-A-Bear Workshop, who we both sit on her board and who did my forward, gave me some interesting feedback. You know, I wanted her to do my forward, and so as I worked on the manuscript, I had given her an earlier copy of the manuscript, okay? Uh, and then uh, as I was, I told you, I kept putting it away, and, and then uh, uh, when I finally did sit down to finish it, I kind of rewrote it in a way, okay? Even though I had some chapters there, I actually rewrote it. And when she looked at the the, uh, the final draft, she says, you know, Coleman, she said, this one is much more reflective of you. And I said, well, say more about that. She says, in your first write, you were really kind of really kind of super technical kind of with your human resource terms. And, and she says, the, uh, the second time when you came back, uh, it was much more of a, a reflection of who you are and how you talk and what your expressions are. And I thought that was I thought that was really very easy. I thought that was very interesting because I think the first time, I think I was trying to be an author. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think the second time, uh, I just really wanted to tell the story like you and I are telling the story right now. Well, it's great feedback she gave. You know, I mean, both of us have, uh, have obviously are incredibly fond of Maxine, and she's had a great impact not only on us but on the world and and building Build a Bear. Um, and you've obviously had a huge amount of an effect on her. Uh, you know, when you were writing your book, did you feel a particular sense of pressure? Uh, because you, you have such an optimistic attitude about life. Every time I see you, you're smiling. You know, you're upbeat. You know, I often wonder, you know, was that something that, uh, obviously that part was probably easy to carry through the book, but have there been times when, you've had a different attitude or things that have happened that have kind of thrown you off even when you were writing the book? Were there moments when you were doubting yourself? No, not not really. Not once I really got on, on the, the track because really the book simply contains uh, what I talk about most days. Okay. Uh, you know, if you think about it, you know, whether it's in a, whether it's in our board meeting, it has some aspects of this, but in my consulting business, uh, you know, uh, in my speaking engagements, uh, in my full-time role as the head of people for a Walmart, uh, in, in the, you know, utilizing all of the aspects of, of human resources, these are the, the things that I talked about, and I hope people would say these are the things, uh, these are the ways that I behaved as well. And uh, as a matter of fact, you know, if there is an 11th chapter, I love it, and this may have to become my next book, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. 
But I may have to call that one, this, uh, the next one, everybody has a story to tell. You know, I'm just, I'm just absolutely amazed by uh, the power of the human spirit, okay, and the things that we do and the way that we impact each other. You know, I bet I haven't run into you uh, at one of our meetings or something where between the last time I saw you and the next time I see you, you have some amazing story to tell, something that has impacted you in some way and that's been absolutely incredible. Uh, and that's why I think that, that, that the Chapter 9 in my book, Under Personal Values, is Help Somebody. And, uh, you know, I just, I just think it's, it's really, it is one of the cornerstones of my own personal value. Uh, and in that particular uh, chapter, I think I give two or three, maybe even four examples uh, of how one person has helped another person uh, and uh, it, the impact that it has on their lives. Uh, and also, I think that, you know, everybody has what I call an aha moment where there's something in your life that happens that is so incredibly powerful that you go, wow. And it keeps... I I agree with you. I, I, uh, you know, I agree with you completely. And and I actually want to touch upon something because it has really struck me um, because I I think you had such an influence uh, probably. And in fact, a lot of people may not be aware that that Walmart is the country's number one employer of African-Americans and Hispanics in the world today. Um, and you headed human resources during Walmart's most aggressive global expansion and really helped diversify its workforce. And you've been given, I know your, one of your latest awards was, uh, or one of your awards was the National Association of African Americans and Human Resource Professionals Trailblazer Award and several other awards. I want to know how you feel our country and the world as a whole, but particularly our country, because it's been through so many different facets of, of, of how people relate to one another over gender, over race, so many things, how we're coming along and, and, and how you feel, how much further we have to go in terms of just looking at people as people. Well, you know, the, uh, the short version is we've come a long way uh, and we still have uh, more ways to go. Okay. Uh, when you uh, think about a guy like George Lucas, who made an incredible uh, film recently called Red Tails after yes. he couldn't convince Hollywood to, to make the movie because uh, they didn't think that an all-black cast would be successful. And he, uh, and he, uh, he spends $100 million out of his own pocket because he believes so strongly in the, in the story of these great African-American pilots that he makes that personal commitment. On the one hand, you say, wow, we've come a long way. Why would a guy like George Lucas... Uh, you know, a white male in America do that to tell this story about black American pilots. And you say we've come a long way. And then on the other hand, you have an incredible Asian basketball player, okay, like uh, uh, the young man, Lynn, and you get all of the negative uh, racial stereotypes. And so, you know, that's probably the best explanation we can ever say about America and maybe the world is that, you know, we exhibit the best of times, and the worst of times. Well, I think you're right. I think that, um, I mean, uh, you know, it's obviously great that we've elected an African-American president. It's obviously great that, you know, people are not paid different salaries as as much as I'm sure there's still some of that as like it used to be. But I kind of feel like we're moving in some ways uh, so uh, 
right uh, on other issues. But I kind of feel like the country is inside out and certainly dysfunctional at the highest level in government today. I mean, I'm not pointing at the presidency as much as the, the way our government works. We have so many people out of work today. We have so many people who are suffering from a lack of health care. We have so many of those things still going on in a country as advanced as ours. I'm curious because Walmart has been such a contributor to so many causes and done such a great job at, at contributing to the workforce you know, what are your suggestions for that and your feelings about that? Because we just have so much work I think we still need to do as a, as a people on this planet. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think the, uh, uh, the starting point is that we, uh, it's almost kind of like, uh, you know, I talk about in Chapter 8 in terms of, uh, of, of helping somebody. Uh, you know, when, when we wake up in the morning and we look at a problem, we have to ask ourselves the question, are we really interested in fixing the problem, or is it really all about us? Okay, I think that we would all agree that this has probably been the most uh, splintered, fractionalized uh, governmental leadership that we have seen in a long time. Okay, and no matter whether it's on the right side of the aisle or the left side of the aisle, when a person makes a statement that they're really more interested in what the political outcome is, than what the uh, condition of a certain group of people uh, or the condition of the country is, then we probably need uh, we probably need other leadership. And uh, and, and I and I, I I think over time, really, what we and, and you know, and, I, and one of the things I'm really encouraged about is that you know the, uh, we take all of these different kinds of polls, Jimmy, in the United States, and I think the one that's most encouraging to me is that when they ask the average man or woman on the street this particular question, they're consistent about it, and that is is that uh, they don't like the negativism, okay? Uh, they don't like the politicizing, okay? They simply want results. Well, I do, you know, we have a few minutes left. I've really enjoyed this, and I hope you'll come back because we'll talk about your book more, and I hope, again, your book is available um, on uh, both barnesandnoble.com and... and um, and on uh, Amazon.com, and it's really a terrific read, and I hope people will will uh, um, will pick it up. Uh, what um, What are some of the things you're working on now that are kind of you know your goals and and next in your career? And 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 then I want to leave with with this question I ask everybody, which is kind of a little deeper question, is kind of how you look at what is the meaning of life. So first, tell us what you're working on now and some of the things that are important to you right now, besides your family, of course, and your daughters and, and your lovely wife, Shirley? Uh, thank you. Well, well, you know, actually, I do have, I've got this, this kind of this, this second book that's kind of uh, really, uh, you know, germinating in my mind right now that I'm really thinking about. Uh, that's number one. Number two, uh, my executive consulting. Okay, I, I tell you, one of the most rewarding things to me is that, you know, in, in my consulting firm, I, I work with uh, uh, a number of, of very, uh, you know, high-level uh, men and women who are just very interested in, in literally getting there from here. How do I get to the next level? And I love them because they actually seek me out and they say, I want to be better. Work with me. I want to become better. And that is one of the most uh, rewarding, rewarding experiences uh, you know, uh, that I can possibly have. And then I think thirdly, because of the pressure from my family, I'm just really working on uh, getting back into my, uh, my, work, my exercise routine. And one of these days, I'm going to have a decent handicap at golf. <laughs> 
So as you look back on your journey, I'll ask you what I've asked Leslie Stahl and Bob Costas and General Shelton and Nicholas Sparks and Maxine Clark. What do you feel is the meaning of life? Oh, I tell you, the, the meaning of life is God, family, friends, and helping somebody. And I think it's just that simple. You know, Helen Walton at one of our annual meetings once uh, made this statement. She says, it's not what you gather, but what you scatter in life that determines the kind of a life you've led. And and so, you know, we can tell you what, we can have a great relationship with, with, with and a great spiritual relationship with God. We can have a tremendous family. You can have great friends. But the real question is, 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 is your community different or better because you were there? Uh, my wife is, is so intense about the fact that, that she believes so strongly that we need to grow where we're planted. You know, we've relocated from Chicago to Missouri to Arkansas to now in Hilton Head. And I tell you, we're barely there 24 hours before. She's already a part of the community. She's working with kids. She's working with the Art Center. Uh, and we just believe that if the Petersons have been in a place, we want people to say that it's a better place because we've been there. Well, I, I can't thank you enough, Coleman Peterson. You're a dear friend. I've enjoyed sharing my journey and your journey uh, together, and thank you for sharing it with our listeners of A Current Life today on Voice America Variety Channel. Uh, you're an inspiration to so many people, um, and I want to thank you for being on the show. And until next time, I wish each and every one of you a journey filled with hope, inspiration, and success. And to Coleman Peterson, I advise everybody to go out and get How to Get There From Here, the 10 lessons that have served me well on barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. And, Coleman, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. Hey, Jimmy, I've enjoyed it. My best to your family. Thank you, my friend. Take care. See you soon. Thanks again for joining us for A Current Life on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please tune in to another great program with your host, Jimmy Gould, next Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.